Mm, this might be the best Chinese food I've ever had. Mm. I believe it. So, you grew up in Chinatown? How does that go? Black man can't live in Chinatown? Um, sure, but... But what? It's uncommon? <laughs> you should look at your face. Oh, <laughs> you had me there. Yeah. It was definitely uncommon. Mr. Wu adopted my brother, sister, and I as to not break up the family. What was left of it, anyways. Wow. How old when your parents died? Ten. The twins were five. You come across any names you recognize yet? Nope. Most of these logs of money going out of the same man. Large amounts of money, too. Weird, I guess. Take the ledger and hide in the bathroom. No. Do it. That makes no sense. If someone is here for the ledger, the jig is up. We have nowhere to go. Okay. Stay put. I'll be right here. Barton, open up. Lil? Hello. Look, you know she doesn't fall for me lying to her. It's never worked. I know when a lie runs across his face. I also know when you're up to trouble. I should have never come to you, Archie. Who's this little guy? Hello. That's Gans. He's a friend. You're trying to get the little guy killed, too. This is why it's important to leave you out of why this. Why can't you just go to work and turn a blind eye just like all the other cops? That would be the wrong thing to do. I don't know. There's a lot to be said for looking the other way. Protect and serve. That's what cops do. If you aren't going to be one of the good guys, then you aren't a cop. Can't say I look it feels wrong to let this go. No, this is foolish. Cops. But it would be even more so to let you do this with Archie. Can you just let this go? I don't think I can. I won't. It isn't right. You are ruining your life, Barton. But it isn't my job to be your keeper. Archie doesn't have a choice in this. We have Dad's shop to run. Sorry, Barton. It's better this way. This has always been my crusade. Put a stop to whatever you think you're doing before you end up getting hurt. Every time I bring Enfield number two brand cigarettes to my lips, I'm treating my senses to the finest tobacco this country has to offer. Enfield number two goes well with anything. After a delicious home-cooked meal with the wife, say, at a cocktail or office party. But my personal favorite is when I find myself enjoying its refined flavor as I watch that sunrise off the coast of my beachfront property. Oh, yes, and if the wind is just right, I can smell death wafting off the enemy corpses piled high up along the battlefield. I feel calm, though. Safe. Why? Because I'm packing. 
Yes, packing a carton of the finest cigarettes this side of a barren wasteland. A man's cigarette. The kind of cigarette that if a woman were to gaze into its heavy heart, she would find a world too burdened to comprehend. Yes, she would only be left with more questions than what she started with. Questions like... What makes Enfield number two's number one? Why, Spishak uses state-of-the-art machinery that reproduces the famous hand-rolled cigarette technique of Wild Bill. Enfield number two cigarettes. Cigarettes so fine, they explode with flavor. Let's regroup. The game has changed. Can we go over what happened? We don't have the time. A typewriter is missing. We need to stitch your eye and get ice on your whole face. Did you run into a delivery truck or something? Close. The big man over there. Did you have to hit him so hard? And he's held back. Can we please review over our ca- now two cases? Fine. Can you sew? Wound? Of course. Yeah. You broke it, you fix it. You two stay here. I put my notes in the safe. Please try less spit on the thread. Spits? Spits good. You shut your mouth now. Ouch! (laughs) Baby. So, Ronnie, is it? Yeah. Ronnie. It's okay, I guess. Krog is better. Ouch! Shut the door. Why not? You've locked us in. Don't be preposterous. See? Well, that's curious. See? One moment. That door. That door will not open. I know. So, we are stuck. Care for a drink? No. Suit yourself. Whose door is this? My door. Actually, our door. Everything that's mine is yours. Equally. No, it's not. Sure it is. This isn't my door. It isn't your door. These aren't my hands. Lovely hands, really. This isn't my dress. Not my dress or my skin. I sure hope this is my drink. It isn't. These aren't my words. No. I suppose they aren't. Those aren't your words. By golly, they aren't. Whose words are they? Someone else's. What will we say next? I don't know. Where will they come from? We'll have to forage for more words. Yes, check the liquor cabinet and I'll look beneath the Davenport.
Chapter 4. Benny's situation was getting more grave by the minute. Had he known the owner would be home and not 2,000 miles away as he had been advised, he wouldn't have moved about the home in such a careless manner. He made a mental note to never trust an anonymous tip written on the inside flap of a pack of matches. Of course, this lesson would mean nothing if Mr. Oldman continues his search for the mystery noise behind the couch. Benny wouldn't be surprised with his luck of late. Maybe he'd make a run for an exit once he was sure that Oldman was on the opposite side of the spacious mansion. Then all he'd need to concern himself with are the armed men Oldman keeps employed. At least he was lucky enough to avoid them on his way in. Or unlucky, if you will. There could also be a third option. To the best of his knowledge, Benny could recall the very place he saw Mrs. Oldman the previous night retire her necklace. Mrs. Oldman. There was a dame. With legs that seemed to go on forever and her... <sighs> unique ways she filled out her dress. But those thoughts were useless to him now. A choice needed to be made about what to do. The sands of time were falling. What was it going to be? This... the story seems familiar. Familiar, like, in that way, when, when you try to recall a dream some days later, you find yourself unable to retell it, or at least tell it correctly. No matter how many times you try and start it over, but it never comes out right. Like, a story you know how to tell, but you don't have the words. I'm crazy. I, I'm sitting here in my husband's study, poking my nose into his personal things, looking for clues on how to find him, holding in my hand a card that was, that was locked inside a drawer with a creepy message written on it. And now we're talking to ourselves. Uh, we? <laughs> and now it's we. That confirms it. I'm touched with a little madness. I should stop. I, I hired someone to find Joseph, and I should let them do their job. I'm just a housewife, after all. <laughs> just a housewife? You are more than just a housewife. Why would you say that? Why, why would I say that? We should go to bed. That's right, we need sleep. I, I need sleep. I've had too much gin, and now you should close my eyes. On the other hand, I, I shouldn't just give up. We need to go with my instincts here, and my instincts are telling me that this isn't just Joseph not calling or lying about where he is. I know my husband. I know my husband. I know him more than any other living creature on this planet. No. I will not go to bed. He, he left us a clue here. He was in trouble, and he left me a clue in this very room. Maybe... 
Maybe inside one of his books. Maybe, maybe hidden inside some secret panel, I will find another card, a, a more useful card. Something that will say, I, I, I don't know, uh, come find me here. Words. 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 Every page. Words. Every In big, bold typeface is the word. In large, bold typeface is the word. On each page. The same. Word. Words. The same. Again. Again. Same. Again. 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 Yeah. Uh huh. Again. Huh. Yeah. Well, Carmen, the only thing you've discovered is. You are as cracked as a Mad Hatter. Start the rundown, shall we? Start us off with Krog. Ronnie. Listen up and learn something. So I find the beginning the best place to start. Shall we start with Mr. Fine? Yes. 
Suspect number one. I did notice a couple of plaques he had mounted on the wall behind his desk. The awards his publication had received in recognition of its daring novels. The ones in Joseph's name. He downplayed Mr. Earl's contribution to the business, but still displays the awards. (laughs) Maybe he doesn't like being dumped. You never know. I suppose not. He seems like the jealous type. I also chatted with Brick Hausner, a former writing partner to Els. He spoke quite poorly of Els' skills as a writer, suggested he had been ghostwriting for him. What was your take? Unlikely. When I got to his desk, he was doodling on a scratch pad. And? His desk and wastebasket were filled with discarded doodles. Ah, writer's block. Good eye, kid. Or maybe he was. He was what? A ghost written it for him. Ooh, it's possible. Let's stay open to that take for now. He could have done something to Els not out of jealousy of talent, but for lack of praise. Good work, Krog. Brownie. And did you give him your number? I was sensing a love connection. Troubles! Gross! He also mentioned Joseph had a brother who would come to the office and not so subtly ask for loans. From Brig? No. Right, Mr. Ells. Do we not have the brother in our notes from the wife? No. No mention. Hmm. Tad odd? Well, yeah. I'd say. Circle him. Three suspects. Okay, this is, this is a good start. There is more. Well, I love more. Please continue. As I was leaving, Melanie, the secretary, asked me to walk with her to the elevator. She began talking cryptically about the letters that used to come into the office, and that Terry had asked her to burn them for fear of being liable for something. That sounds very unimportant. He's kidding, Krog. Ronnie, what did the letters say? No, I haven't read them yet. <laughs> I don't think you're taking this terribly seriously, Wit. Really? You need to be more serious, Mix. Yes, thank you. I was, after all, trying to save you. Oh, yeah, that. (laughs) You're doing a real bang-up job, Wit. Anyways, that is everything. Up. Here we go. What did I miss? Come now, the whole thing. What did I miss, oh, wise and powerful and beautiful detective mix? His typewriter. The second-hand one? Yes, he sold his previous typewriter. He's having financial issues. Ding! We's looking for a typewriter. I was getting to that if you would just let me continue my train of thought, Krog. Ronnie! It's not the same typewriter. How do you know? Easy. It wouldn't make any sense if we were looking for the same typewriter. What is the This episode is sponsored by Jennifer LeBlanc, whose novella Tribulations of August Barton is about a young man named Augie Barton in his freshman year of college. If that wasn't enough to deal with, Augie is also trying to deal with his increased anxiety, his parents divorcing, making new friends, romance, naked trespassing, biker gangs, his ex-prostitute grandma who won't stay in her nursing home. 
You can find this book available on Amazon, Kindle, Barnes & Noble, and now the audiobook is available on Audible, narrated by our very own James Oliva. What's the Frequency is written and created by James Oliva. Production and sound designed by Al Alexander Danner. What's the Frequency theme music composed by Kurt C. Nelson. If you really enjoy the show, make sure you are subscribed to the show. Please consider taking time to review us on iTunes or through whatever podcatcher you're using right now. As always, I'm James Oliva. Till next time. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.